0: All right, Um, well, welcome to Alchemy Answers, episode 39. 39, that's uh, that's a lot of episodes, but as Jenkins said, it's not really that crazy because we did go to the moon like 30 some, 40 years ago, whatever it was. So uh, at the end of the day, everything that we accomplish as individual humans is pretty insignificant and we should probably just, you know...
1: I mean... Honestly, even as a species, we haven't accomplished anything as, as great. We've, we've actually like we, we've uh, we've degraded as, as uh, a society, the global society and species. Why the fuck are we not on Mars right now? I don't get it. It's I don't actually, get it either. It's pathetic. It's disgusting. Like we were had people on the moon in 1969, and now we have the internet. And we're all jerking off to hentai and shit. What's going on with this?
0: Probably spending too much time playing Dota instead of, you know, furthering society.
1: Trump is playing way too much time, spending way too much time playing Lena and Queen of Pain in unranked ability draft. The Motherfucker. (laughs)
0: Is Is that confirmed news? Is that something that we need to discuss? Hmm.
1: i i heard it on cnn cbc or buzzfeed or something reputable like that so uh, yeah you know it's basically fact at this point
0: okay cool i mean that makes sense that's usually how we get our news these days about what's yeah. what's real what's not
1: yep agreed all right let's get into the question <laughs> so shadow says when to buy maelstrom in brackets mjolnir over battle fury on heroes like Ember, Jug, etc. Okay, so the main difference between these two items uh, is one of them. Well, maybe not. Maybe not the main difference, but a big difference between these two items. One of them is for physical damage, and for hard farming. Battle fury is basically you're going to sit in the jungle for 30 minutes, contribute almost nothing, uh, other than hitting jungle creeps. And Mjolnir is magical damage, and you can fight with it. It's a fighting item. So Mjolnir, Maelstrom, great for fighting. Battle Fury, great for farming. But also, if you want physical damage in the late game, then Battle Fury is great. Ember Spirit, for example, which you listed in the question. Uh, Whereas if you need magical damage, let's say you're against something that's high armor, like a Naga or Blade. Then Mjolnir is going to be better because magic damage is not going to be reduced, obviously by by the armor. That that's that's how I would make that choice. I, I would say these days most people are going for uh, Maelstrom though because it's less of a farming. It's like it lets you farm, but it's also great for fighting.
0: Yeah, I also think another thing that you want to consider is whether you need the regen, like whether you're planning on buying anything else that gives you mana or HP regen, because that is an underrated part of Battle Fury. I think. Um, being able to spam your abilities to farm and stuff like that that you don't get by buying a Mjolnir. Mjolnir? Mjolnir, Maelstrom in general, that that item has been nerfed a ton. Like It used to give you attack speed and damage and the procs, and now it just gives you damage and that's it. So
1: tells Battle Fury.
0: I mean, yeah, it's been nerfed, but it still gives you all the regen and stuff like that. It's obviously way more expensive too. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like on Ember, you almost never go Battle Fury. It's
1: like a late game, very, very late game, you're holding megas sort of item. Yeah. It's good for that. It's good for like the, the ultra hyper late game. But if you want to go physical damage now, people are going like Medallion Deso. So that's just like the new build for physical damage, thanks to, thanks to Thompson. <laughs> when is a good value to refresh the charges on Drums of Endurance? I never see anybody doing that ever Mm-mm. because I feel like what drums is is it's like a bridge item that bridges you from the early game to your late game items and when you would be considering refreshing your drums you would already want to be building late game items and going for bracers and drums and these early game like in you know veils of discord you don't want these at the point where you would uh, be refreshing your drum charges anyway so th- i feel like that's why you never see it
0: yeah i think that it's basically you you buy it you try to use like all of the charges in the next maybe three to five minutes to win a couple fights and push a couple towers and then by that time having won those fights and push the towers you have enough gold to build something that's significant to like winning the game you know refreshing your jump charge is not going to win you the game it's not going to allow you to go high ground it's really just sort of like uh if you think about it in terms of net worth how much movement speed attack speed does it give you i don't remember like 35 attack speed or something like that for everybody
1: 20 shit like that yeah so
0: it basically just increases everybody's net worth by like maybe 800 to a thousand for a few seconds when you use it so it's like a great little extra boost of net worth to win a fight that you need but it's not something that's going to make a difference once everybody else has like 8,000 and 10,000 right. net worth.
1: So does a Vlad, so does a Crimson, so does a Mech, so does basically any item that affects your team. Right, but perpetually it's for a, those ones instead item. of, yeah. And to be honest, the aura is nowhere near good enough to justify refreshing charge. It's, I, I, will, be, I will be pleasantly surprised... The day that I see in a pro match somebody refreshes the the drum charges
0: yeah to like, be- I,
1: I'm just thinking <laughs> you have this game where you could like refresh a drum charge or you could just have more stats like you could have a bkb a minute sooner that's pretty that's pretty significant and then after your bkb like you're gonna build satanic or and yasha or some of these ultra effective items and taking a few hundred gold off of those timings is pretty. Pretty pog,
0: yeah. I mean, another way to think about it is just like it's you buy 600 recipe, right? To refresh it, that's all it is. You just buy the recipe again. I I honestly completely forgot that you could even refresh the charges just because it's never done, but I think that's how you refresh it, right? You just buy the recipe again. yeah. So that's 600 gold that you're basically just throwing away because it's not even like it's an additional 600 gold that stays there. It's not like it gives you an upgrade to the item. It's just 600 more gold. that It's like a consumable, basically. Um, so, you know, you usually don't see people buying a bunch of tangos in the mid game or you don't see people randomly buying back in the middle of the game um, because throwing away gold is generally not a good idea when you're trying to win
1: yeah you almost give your the enemy team like a thousand net worth lead just yeah to, uh, exactly for a fresh item feels pretty bad all right let's 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 move on uh interesting question though because that is a fringe weird interaction in dota that i think a lot of people don't know about mm-hmm. Uh, I find that on Heroes where it's core, BH, Bloodseeker, Gyro, you don't end up selling it until your fourth slash fifth item, and drums without charges quite feels bad. Okay, that's like a follow-up on that. And uh, yeah, drums without charges feels bad, but at that point, you'd rather just sell it and replace it with something that's more effective. Uh, Vasilio says, Q&A, how much of your time as a position five should you dedicate to stacking camps? How does it rank as a priority to do other things? Uh, that should, unless your entire draft is built around like, hitting certain certain timings very hard, like let's say you have Gyro and Io, or let's say you have uh, Tinker on your team, you basically want to stack only when you're not effective anywhere else, or if you're like running by a camp, yes. already to let's say fight a rune, uh, then you can you can like or or grab a rune that's free, I should say, because if you're if you're looking to fight a rune, then uh, chances are it's probably pretty bad of you to be like i'm gonna go over here and stack this camp it's like no you want to focus on being in a better position for that fight because sure if you're playing against morons yeah they're gonna let you get the rune for free but if you're playing against good players people are gonna fight runes so if you're going to fight a rune you don't want to stack it that's that's the thing in dota is like the higher and higher rated you get the better people are going to be at punishing you if you're not around for something that's important so you basically have to only stack when it doesn't results in any chance that you could like fuck over your team by not being somewhere else like sometimes if you if you leave a lane and a good team has like a lane ward they'll they'll kill the guy like you can't just leave a lane if unless you specifically know that the guy that you're leaving is safe there for a specific specific reason so uh, i would say like in the situations where like you're going to pick pick up a bounty room that's free because every time in dota like every time bounty spawn generally two of them are free for you two of them are free for the enemy team and sometimes people will fight like one of them and make one of them not free. So if you if you know you're taking a free rune, then yeah, sure, you can stack a camp and then go, go grab the rune. Or if you're walking towards a lane, you can stack a camp and then walk there. Or let's say you're in off lane support and the lane is pushing into your offlaner and there's no dive potential from the enemy team. Why soak experience from your, uh, your core when you could go stack and then they take the farm and then you get experience, more experience later than you would have gotten for soaking? Like situations like that is when I would say stacking is good.
0: Yeah, it's, um you know, jungle camps are kind of there as like a, a bridge from one location on the map to the other location on the map. Like if you're a carry, you can kind of think of them as like, well, I'm going to this next wave, I can hit these creeps. But it's not really, you're not going to the, the camp to hit them in the jungle. And just like that as a support, stacking a camp is sort of something that you can do as like a bridge action while you're going to do something else. Um, just to like eke out a little bit of extra efficiency from your movement. Uh, the only other thing i would say is that sometimes in pubs if you pick especially if you pick like your support first you sometimes will get counterpicked or you'll get a lane against you where you can't really uh, impact it that well and so in those cases a lot of the time you're better off just letting that person get solo experience and if you have a hero like a Meepo or a storm or a gyro or a Sven or something like that that can take advantage of stacks. And especially if it happens to be like your highest ranked player on your team in solo queue or somebody that's a smurf or something like that, definitely just dedicate a lot of your time to making them have a great game instead of trying to play into a bad lane.
1: That's, that's always a play. Yeah. You have somebody on your team that's like way better than ever. Um, okay. So Lloyd Val says if I'm playing Axe and mainly cutting creep waves, what should my support do? Uh, there's a few things that your support can do your support can go and try lane in another lane they can go like harass mid they can stack camps but uh one pretty nice thing that they can do is chase the enemy carry around the tower and just hit them and like deny them and then uh when the enemy carry like takes the creep wave under the tower they can pull the hard camp and basically just like fuck with the the carry If, if if it's a carry that's actually pressurable I've even had, um, I, we played, uh, I think it was one of the open qualifiers, but we played a game where I was cutting on an Axe, and uh, my support player, Alex, uh, aka RoboVice, he was playing Rubik, and he was hitting this Lifestealer so much, who's generally a very good hero at farming creep waves under tower, he was, he was hitting the Lifestealer so much that I think I, I doubled back at like the 5 minute mark for the bounties, and we just dive him and kill him, because he had 30-40% HP and then we get the tower because the siege wave spawned at five minutes too and it's like that was all set up by him just bullying the uh the life stealer. and then off of that though we push top they have to tp back top to respond to the siege wave we go mid and take the mid tower with the siege wave and it was like the single most game winning move that alex and i made in in any game it's like we just you if, if you take two towers in like a two minute period as an offlane and support duo and you lose the game it's your fucking team's fault at that point you know it's like it's so game winning so yeah you can you can bully the the carry. it's just that the support needs to make sure that they're not just I, I don't know I don't know why people do this I guess because creep cutting is this like magnificent like crazy unheard of thing to some people but some people literally just sit in the lane and like do nothing they just sit in trees it's like are you expecting creeps to show up there? <laughs> What do you expect? I'm cutting the creeps. There isn't a single creep that's going to show up there. Right. Uh, so like, as long as they're doing something, it's really frustrating to have people that are doing literally nothing when you cut creeps. Also, I was playing on my Smurf the other day. This is a bit of a tangent, but I was playing on my Smurf, and I had a guy that was Elder Titan, and I, I, I was actually in the game with with Ellie, my girlfriend. I, I queued, and we miraculously got on the same team. Usually I'm against her. Uh, but this guy was elder titan and we were against like ursa undying or something like that we were axe elder titan and this dude was like we can lane i was like i'm just gonna cut the creep wave you can like fuck with the carrier go roam or whatever and he's like no 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 man we're we lane this we're really strong here and we fucking laned." and yeah i swear to god we went like zero and eight in the laning phase yeah the game i just i just made this conscious choice and this is going back to like people not understanding creep cutting if your idiot supports are idiots then let them be idiots but this guy was just like he was so sure that we could lane but i'm pretty sure it was just because he just hadn't experienced creep cutting a lot like he doesn't play axe or people haven't haven't been hadn't been playing axe at that point so he's just like the idea of not laning was just so unheard of but you get so much more out of it you get so much more out of it and then you can just kill the enemies when you're stronger and i i completely regret listening to this listening to this uh this this dude and i i can assure you he's probably one of those guys that would stand around doing nothing when the creep cutting is happening because people are just like don't understand but i guess you can just kind of instruct your team like hey man you know i'm gonna go cut the creeps we can pressure them once we're strong but i want to wait until i have some levels like you can fuck with them under tower man and then if people are like nah dude don't do that we can lane here be like yo dog you know your hero i know my hero i'm the core i don't want to lane in this scenario fuck off you know (laughs) and then and then you'll be good yeah yeah, some people don't understand and just do nothing
0: i want to add something that's kind of related to that but there was a question that we got just like in our discord earlier today but i was i was just like looking at our discord and somebody asked this question and it's kind of related to this which is that um or maybe it's a question later on in this Alchemy Answers. I can't remember. Anyway, I think it was uh, Eddie Mercury who asked it and he was like, what am I supposed to do to harass um offlaners that can purge themselves? Or like get rid of my my harass, basically. And the best thing to do against an offlaner like that, or in the scenario that we're talking about where the you have a lifestealer, for example, under the tower is just to right click them because like don't don't waste your mana it's it's free damage right clicks are free damage so you can actually even if you're a hero with a terrible attack animation and like much better spammable spells if you can get free damage on somebody without having to trade any mana that is so much more valuable like if they can't trade with you just right click them until they're in kill threat and then you can actually use your mana to try and kill them so like what you said with Alex, you know, lifestealer would normally just be able to sustain there forever under the tower, but because he just utilized right clicks constantly, he's able to, you know, set up a kill on a hero that would normally be completely fine in that scenario.
1: Yeah. Yep. I uh free stuff is it. really good in Dota. What
0: is? Free stuff.
1: Free stuff is great, yeah. yeah. And when there's no when there's a whole creep wave like diving somebody, you don't have to be worried about them trading
0: exactly if They turn around
1: and start hitting you it's not gonna be a good trade for them i can that i see people asking in chat like what do you do against creep cutting and if you're dealing with somebody who's good and knows how to creep cut correctly there's not much you can do it's uh something that i believe is probably going to get nerfed soon um wouldn't you for say example, one like... of
0: the best things is to then drag your own creeps to a camp and get double the farm is not like
1: right right but then if the creep cutter is good they've already sentry blocked the hard camp
0: right yeah
1: yeah. um and so so what you would want to do is if you're dealing with a creep cutter you want to sentry block the medium camp because that's a really good camp that they can pull to and if they pull to the uh the easy camp then that's something that you can very easily run over and contest without leaving the tower to like being too far away from the tower so you'll be like safe there um Another thing that you can do is if they're dumb and they're just cutting one single wave, which is not the correct action anymore, what people are doing is they're dragging the second and third wave and killing both at the same time, but if you're dealing with a creep cutter that's dumb, which probably most people are because it's only like high immortal players that are doing the double waving shit because people just start doing that in competitive, so it's like it takes a while to trickle down. Uh, if they're cutting one single wave, you can try to get like one or two denies on the first creep wave, and if you do that you'll prevent them from getting level two, which means they need to get uh, one extra wave before they get level two. And that gives you like an extra 30 seconds to sit there and hit them. And then sometimes you can harass them to the point where they run out of regen uh, be- before they're level two. If you, and, if you can, if you can get one of those denies.
0: And I want to clarify that what you're talking about right now is something you basically only do within the first like three waves of the creeps, right? Yeah, because you, after that, yeah. you're just pulling to the medium camp near the shrine over and over if, if you're not being contested.
1: The, 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 the ward blocking on the uh, shrine, or sorry, on the medium camp is very important because what you want to do is ideally make it so that you leave your carry, the carry just lanes completely alone, and the carry gets the same amount of farm as the pulling off laner. But if the pulling off laner can pull to that medium camp, they're probably going to out farm your carry because it's very difficult unless you have some carry that is good at killing a lot of things at once. It's very difficult to kill the hard camp uh, or the easy camp, as well as the whole creep wave in the same time that an offlaner like Axe can. Yeah. Uh So if you block that medium camp, it, re- it really hurts them. And then they need to use the sentry reward to unblock that, which means they need to use the courier. You're just making it harder for them to do what they want to do. It's going to require more investment, and the return on it isn't going to be as worth it. That's all you want to do. After the first like three waves, if you're still trying to contest a guy that's uh, cutting creep waves, you're doing it wrong. Like You never, ever want to do that. It's there- There's no point. You're going, to get, you're going to get zoned. You're going to be underleveled. Your other lanes are going to start getting underleveled to support just wasting time, and you're going to lose.
0: So you're saying that to contest a, a creep cutter, you should only try to fuck them up for the first like three waves or four waves, and then you should kind of yes. let them do their own yeah. thing?
1: and then let them do their thing and let your carry do their thing your carry is going to free farm as well. Sure. If you've supported well enough in the first couple of waves, then your carry will actually outlevel the offline. If you've blocked the medium camp, if you have uh, given your carry... Like, your carry is going to have the waves uncontested under tower, like, very likely. But if you can, like, deny a couple creeps in the first two waves, then it's going to fuck over the offlaner's timings a little bit, which makes them have to set up more regen and different things like that. And your carry's going to have, like, a little bit of a level of advantage.
0: And that's a great time for you to smoke mid and, you know, go kill mid or go to the offlane and pressure their carry. Um,
1: stacking stacking the... Yep. Uh, the triangle's good, too. And then, like, you stack the triangle and then walk to the off lane and just go for a gank. Something like that. Just look for something. Look for something else to do. Perfect. Okay. Hawkillioner says, As a position 5 in a lane where it is advantageous to ward block the hard camp, Doom, Elder Titan... Uh, you wouldn't do it for Doom anymore because uh, he can't he can't consume the creeps until he's got, like, level 4 in, in Devour, which is awful. And at that point, <laughs> the ward's going to wear out. So All right. Uh, but Elder Titan inevitable byproducts is all your easy camp pulls will turn into double waves unless you stack and pull. Uh, what are some ways that you could synergize with this? Are there ways to play around double waves? Maybe certain lane mechanics, pushing items. I mean, yeah, sure. You could if you if you really want to go uh, deep into the into the like itemizing in order to. I mean, this is some fucking high level stuff. I'm not gonna lie to you, hockey Laner. This is this is this is the sort of shit that that pros talk about and. Um, sometimes you can over theorize on things like this because this kind of stuff is not going to affect your solo queue games at okay what (laughs) i'm saying i'm saying something a little different from that what i'm saying is i have played with some players that have really good minds when it comes to analyzing things like this and they actually aren't great captains they aren't great position fives and I'm not saying that as an insult. I'm saying that as you 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 definitely need to be careful not to go too far. It's really cool to theorize about it and talk about it, but not do it like strictly every single time. Because in Dota, there are so many possible things that can happen. You can't really have a strategy like, okay, every single game on this timing, I'm going to do this. It, it, it Dota's more about you understand things and you have an idea of things that you can do in situ in certain situations. And then when a similar situation comes up, you try it and it might not work, but you want to just go for like the high percentage plays. Because there are so many things that can happen in a game of Dota. Like what if, let's say this Elder Titan, what if this Elder Titan just starts stacking the medium cap, like runs over and starts stacking the medium cap? Or what if the Elder Titan doesn't mm-hmm. even lane in the lane that you're in and you've committed to this like whole strategy? That, right. that that's, that's all I'm saying with this. But with that being said, with that being said, this sort of theory crafting is definitely what, the sort of thing that pros think about to win lanes it's just that they don't they don't stick to it religiously they're like oh i could do this not like i'm going to do this i could do this if this situation presents itself
0: like Uh, anyway yeah
1: you could build you could build like a bassy you could build a blightstone and just look to constantly push the tower early you gotta be yeah you you, you, that's a little expensive but you like you, you have to be careful though because maybe you're pushing into a hero that would otherwise get nothing if you just weren't pushing you know, maybe you don't want to block the hard camp because you don't care about an elder titan. Let's say if you have bat rider support, you don't care about elder titan because you can stop that hero from pressuring the lane because bat rider better at at zoning him. Uh, so, yes, what you're saying is a good idea, and there are some situations in which you sh- you should do it, but not every game against an elder. Titan. That's all. That's all I'm saying. But also, yeah, I, I really I really like the the thought process behind this. I think that I think this is re- really cool, like high level stuff to think about.
0: Have you ever come up with a scenario where you take the tower too quickly because that's happened to me a couple of times where like you just you crush the lane so hard and like zone them off the tower for the first like three waves something like that you get you get the tower at like four minutes and you're like okay well i can't really go to other lanes right now because everybody's like level three <laughs> you know, like,
1: right right and, you know, uh, and i don't
0: want to push up past their like up to their and tier two like
1: because you took the tower you you actually gave the offlaner that would otherwise get nothing right something.
0: Because now they can now they can just like farm next to their tier two instead of their tier one, which is more dangerous.
1: Yeah. Yep. It's it's uh, Dota's Dota's a game of like trial and error and uh, having ideas and, and testing hypotheses. I've I've just I've realized more and more that the best teams that I've played on have been people that just talk a lot of Dota we just enjoy talking to each other about dota and theorizing about dota but we don't go into a game with like a strategy of like okay this is exactly the timing that we're going to win because 90 percent of the time it's not going to be it's not going to be the case i think there's a huge bait in dota like people are super baited into uh theorizing about all of these little min min max things of oh i needed a battle Fury by 22 minutes i needed this by this minute and uh, so too much changes in a game based off of like a single rotation or something like that, that you all of a sudden you don't have certain timings that you can hit, and you 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 just you really need to play off a of feel. It's a game that you need to. You, it's it's like a I don't remember who said it. Oh, I remember reading this the other day. Some somebody said I think it was like solo or something. They said playing Dota is not it is not a. It's like an art.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's he said it's not something else. It's not a sport. It's an art. Something I'm, I'm but. it it was something along those lines though like playing dota is an art that's what he was saying it's it's like it's like an artist like painting there's no there's no like structure or formula to it it's just an artist is just a good artist
0: yeah what i mean speaking of weird theory crappy things this is something i just thought of while we were talking about this early pushing what if you just fissure blocked the wave when you were ready to push the tier one tower like so you just guaranteed yourself a double wave whenever you were ready to push is that you think that would be reasonable at some point i mean i guess you could just single pull okay. it does the same thing Fissure but block the wave. yeah you fissure block your own wave like so that you double up your wave
1: oh so it goes into your tower and then the wave doubles up sure i mean yeah you could you could do that <laughs>
0: that's just random
1: you can do that. I mean, if you're an Earthshaker, but I would say like, if you're an Earthshaker and you're in a in a game and your team wants to push, then you should just go try that yeah. as opposed to I'm going to pick Earthshaker to do this. No, no, no.
0: Of course. Of course.
1: That's yeah. that's like, that's the way I'm thinking about that. Is like, if you're in a game and you may as well go for it, but right. it's not a reason to pick Earthshaker.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: God, liner linked his pulling flow chart. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not going to cover that so much. So oh much shit. All right, Vasilios has no question. He was just responding to Huckleberry's slow chart. Approach. Been playing a lot of mid pudge lately. When should I start rotating to secure other lane? Basically, anytime you think that it's good. Like if you can get a rune, it's good. At the five minute mark, it's good because before the five minute mark, because you go fight bounties. Like anytime there's an objective that you can that you can secure. The way I see mid pudge is you just push out the creep wave with rot. Harass your opponent and then check. You want a bot rune ward. That's really important because then you can see if it's in the top rune and if it's the bot rune. Like your hero can see if it's in the top rune. If it's the bot rune, the ward will catch it. And you should get every single rune. If you get an invis, if you get a haste rune, you should go to bank another lane. Uh, if you get a double damage, you just sit mid with 200 base damage and fuck up the enemy mid. Uh, illusion rune similarly, like you can use that. You can use that mid arcane rune you could probably gank with that too it just depends like rotations are 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 basically uh based on opportunity that's it if you get an if you see an opportunity you just take it you try it uh in worst case scenario you fuck up and it doesn't account it doesn't account like nothing happens and you just have a support take mid for the duration that you're you're roaming that's that's about it like i would say you don't run before boots unless you get a haste run. you don't run before boots
0: yeah, because you're slow as shit. You're, <laughs> you're so slow. You're so, you're so slow. slow.
1: But I don't know. It's, it, it's pretty simple. Like If you just don't have an opportunity to roam, you don't have an opportunity to roam. That's fine. But I think you should always push the lane because that way you give yourself those opportunities where if you leave the lane, it's not going to hurt you too badly because you already pushed the lane. So you're going to get back to a full creep wave that hasn't been farmed.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I can't stress enough how important it is to not force moves in Dota. Like... There are so many opportunities that will present themselves if you just do correct things and position yourself in correct places and push correct waves. And I mean, so many times, like today I had, the last game that I played, we took two sets of racks and we had the game won. We had their shrines. We had a, a Meepo against an Anti-Mage who super farmed. We had a Slark against uh, like in you know, bad Abaddon who was super farmed. And there was basically no chance that we lose this game. We have rush control, and our Meepo is just, like, spam pinging, go push right now, go push right now, go push right now. We don't have an Aegis. Like, Aegis is spawning in, like, two minutes. We have full map control, and I'm just like, dude, can you just relax? Like, all we have to do is wait for two minutes, and there's no way we lose this game. And people just get, like, they just get so upset that something is not happening right this second all the time. And so they try to force stuff, and just, like, Pudge rotating, like, if you don't see somebody out of position don't fucking go there like wait for them to get out of position and you can farm the mid lane and just get a bunch of items and then you can rotate later it's like it's not a big deal if you don't rotate this second it kind of goes right. back to the whole like theory crafting needing to have exact timings exactly there's, like,
1: like, there's a few problems you can have like if you're if you're not forcing Rotations will not solve the problem of not recognizing the opportunities or doing the good things that give you the opportunity to yeah. make rotations happen. That's that's the thing. I think we talk about this a lot actually, where people think that like Miracle and a lot of these players are just so amazing at Dota because of like natural talent. And that they're they take these like super uh like epic plays you see that you see clipped on Reddit. And oh my God, how do they do that? They're so mechanically skilled, but it's more like based on an understanding of the game that they're able. To do these things, they yeah. they do all of the right little tricks in the laning stage to give them a little bit more net worth than players that are shittier than them. And then they get a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then all of a sudden in this team fight where you would be here, they're here, they're able to take the fight and do the epic looking plays because they have this much more net worth. So they have 200 more HP to work with and they don't die and they survive and they turn around, get a rampage and it's clipped and put on Reddit. And it's literally just <laughs> you're here they're here because they did a bunch of little tricks in the laning stage to allow for those for for that situation to happen later on into the into the game and it's similar with uh, these rotations it's, if if you're if you're not pushing the lane first then no rotations are going to be good if you're not getting a bot rune ward you're not going to see runes and you're not going to be able to make rotations cuz you don't see the runes like but you you have to do the thing you have to do the setup to to you know uh to to make the rotation you have to set yourself up so that it's a good rotation and yeah i think a lot of people aren't doing the setup and they just think i don't know when to rotate but it's like no you you will know when to rotate the game will show you when you should <laughs> exactly rotate. you just exactly. have to set yourself up to do it
0: exactly and i mean if you've ever lost a game to like a smurf or something like that where they you know they go off for like 30 kills and they're just they seem to be everywhere they're killing you all the time they have way more farm than everybody else the reason that that's happening is because they are forcing you to show all the time by doing something very simple called pushing creep waves so they push a creep wave somebody has to show up they kill that person then they push the next creep wave somebody has to show up to respond to that and they kill that person and then they push the next creep wave and somebody shows up and they're like i don't feel strong enough to fight right now i'm gonna go farm everywhere else on the map because i see where the other team is because i pushed this creep wave so it's like it's not like they are just this mechanical god who's 1v5-ing every single person in the game all the time they're setting themselves up to have an advantageous situation over and over and over by doing a couple very simple concepts
1: right that's why i was saying that like the the hawk Illinois question is really cool uh it's 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 a trap and there, there's a lot of traps when it comes to theorizing like this like you know uh, if, if you asked me two years ago i'd say the creep cutting thing probably a trap like dragging cutting creeps possibly a trap uh, now i know that it's obviously a very strong tactic but that's because for every 10 ideas nine of them are shitty in dota and one of them is good right uh but uh yeah basically the it's where was I? Oh, I lost it what were you just saying
0: it's, it's a trap to get too invested in all the little details when you can just do simple things to set yourself up with good. Oh,
1: right, right, right. Okay, so that's one of those things that, like, years from now could be a simple thing that allows you to do, to do some, like, later on push into the game or every support's doing it. But uh, it can also be a trap. Yeah. <laughs> that. All right. Is it true that certain times of day, this is Bradley Dragon, is it true that certain times of day are literally unplayable? also thanks for the reminder that clarities exist playing F- Sky feels better now that I have cheap mana regen. You know what's cheap mana regen? Suicide. <laughs> I love that. Uh, okay. Times of the day being unplayable. Uh, in my bracket I know that certain times of day are unplayable. I don't know what the other brackets are like. Um, I have played on my second account, which I'm not going to call a Smurf because it's also an immortal account. It's just low immortal uh, i could say that in that bracket as well which is a different bracket it's also shitty to play like after 3 a.m yeah. maybe maybe after even like midnight depending on the day because there are so few people queuing that you will be more likely to get queued with people of lower behavior scores and also because there are less people queuing that's when boosters and cheaters are abusing uh are abusing the queue like i let me tell you dude <laughs> it's it's always it's, it's always very strange when I I queue on my smurf or something like that and I'll just get four the chinese characters on my on my team like all chinese characters on my team and and they're all speaking chinese like they just know you know what i mean like and, and they, they run, run like
0: undying oh, visage like in lineups or something like that Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly or, or or like the other day I, this was actually on stream i had a buddy of mine sonic who's russian i had a russian mid and I had a Russian carry, and they were all talking to each other in Russian. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> and Sonic at a certain point was literally like, hey, somebody want to carry. And he's like, hey, let my friend go carry. Let my <laughs> friend Crystal go carry. And then somebody in my chat was like, his name reads Crystal. Like in Russian, that is Crystal. <laughs> so it's like,
0: so he knew the people. So it's like, it's, with...
1: his, it's actually his, like, you know, it came out eventually that they were friends, but. It's always, you know, it's always sketchy when it's like, all right, I have three Russian-speaking dudes on US East that are all solo queuing, and they already seem to know each other. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Which is great. Which is great. I was on their team. Don't get me wrong. I'm (laughs) loving that. I'm fucking loving it. But when they're on the enemy team, and they're just doing these crazy synergies, they're like IO gyro. It's like, fuck, it's like these guys know each other. You know, it's it's awful. Right. It's awful. You, you don't want to queue against that. You want to have the the most consistent possible games.
0: Yeah, I and, mean, uh, I would say as far as time of day, like, it it really is just think about the type of people that would be up still playing Dota at three a.m. It's gonna be it, it's gonna be Jenkins <laughs> this, on a binge queue yeah. session, like <laughs> tilting funny. his brains out. It's gonna be. People coming home from the bars and getting wasted and then coming home and playing Dota when they're fucking hammered because, like, they're not tired or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. You get stoned people, drunk yeah. people. They're like, I'm so drunk right now. <laughs> it's Like, dude, what are you, a 14-year-old fucking girl? Like, I, I, exciting. I'm so excited for you to be drunk for the first time. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I, that's, I hate that, man. I've removed people over that where they're like. Dude, I just went to the sickest party, and I'm playing drunk. It's like, all right, you're drunk, so I don't – Clearly, like, (laughs) you don't realize that nobody else thinks it's as cool as you to just be drunk and playing Dota. We all just want to win MMR. You're fucking ruining the game for us. (laughs) They're like an ember spirit or a troll warlord, and you just know they're going to contribute nothing for the entire game because they're drunk.
0: Awful. Yeah.
1: Okay, Eddie Mercury says, Sometimes I get flamed in Dota. When this happens, I'm told by some person slash people what I should be doing instead. Uh, when is it a good idea to eat humble pie and make changes to my play based on what they're saying? And when should I just ignore them? I have trouble telling apart good advice from bad advice I, uh, because I don't think I know all that much about Dota. TLDR, most people are full of shit, but so am I. What do?
0: This is a crazy yeah. question, to be honest. Like, it's very yeah. hard, very hard to answer yeah. this question.
1: One thing I want to say is that I don't think you're full of shit. I think you have a good understanding of Dota. I think that you're inc- much more intelligent than 99% of the people that you queue into because I know you and I know people that I fucking queue into are morons. Some people are smart, most people are stupid. Um but with that being said, I think that you have a confidence issue, Eddie. Eddie Mercury, I think you have a bit of a confidence issue and I think for you uh per- personally and this is a th- this was a thing for me at a certain point Uh, an an important thing would be to try to formulate your own opinion of dota and i i would say try to stick to that just to like build just to build confidence and be and be consistent um even if you're wrong I, i would say like you don't change the way that you play during during a game unless you're making a concerted effort to be just like okay i'm gonna try this just to see how it goes and if it's shit it's shit but Basically, you should have an opinion and outside of the game is when you should change your opinion. Watching, watching the replay, maybe you can go over the replay and see if what the person was saying was, was correct. But I, I honestly don't think that during a game is, is a time to ch- change your opinion on the game. You're going to make, if, if you're following somebody else's moves, uh, you're not going to know the nuances of, of it and you're going to fuck up. So you'd rather fuck up doing something you're comfortable with because it's not that good you know be 80 percent of the way there then fuck up something that you just are uncomfortable like this is why this is why um oh my god a when lot people of...
0: suggest to pick a certain hero and like your mid like your mid is mousing every hero that they play all the time and somebody's like no, no no that's a bad hero pick this hero instead it's always just like please don't listen to this guy telling you what hero to pick yeah, just yeah. pick what you're gonna pick man <laughs>
1: But it, it, it is a complicated question, and I think we're very similar, Eddie and I, uh, in the sense that I also struggle to—it's It, it it's, it's all like confidence, and I know that when I'm not confident, I play shitty, um, even if my ideas are good and my MMR is high and I feel like I'm a good—well, actually, that, I wouldn't feel like I'm a good player if I'm unconfident, but you get my point. Like I play— when I'm not confident, I, I, I play like shit. So sometimes like eating a humble pie is is a mistake. But then also, if you're playing Dota in a mode where you're not constantly learning, uh, you're gonna have incorrect opinions and constantly be acting on incorrect opinions, and that's gonna lose the game. So I don't know, man, it's fucking real complicated. It's real complicated, but my opinion on it, at least when it comes to like me playing competitive, is that when I'm going into a tournament, everything that I think is correct, like, every single thing about Dota that I think is the best way to do it. Uh, and then the moment the tournament is over, I go back into, like, learning mode of, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna take people's opinions on the game and try to, you know, formulate it into my own and, and see if it's good. And if it's bad, it's bad. If it's good, it's good. Um, but yeah. I, I, I have, like, those two modes, and I would say you could also treat solo queue like that, where it's like you have one day where it's like, okay, I'm just going to try my hardest to win. Like I'm going to pick whatever's the best for the game try my hardest to win and you know maybe you'll go a couple of days and you'll be like okay i'm gonna spam this hero 10 games in a row and just learn as much as i can about about the hero and, and even like keep a journal man i I keep, I keep a journal like documenting like the shit that i'm learning about heroes like okay let you know i i should um run down lanes and suicide and push like if we're behind and not in a position to fight do that until they've wasted so much time going for me that my team has farm and then maybe we can fight again okay i need to also do that if they just have stronger team fight than us like you build you build and sometimes people will say shit to you and you can you can add that to your repertoire but only when you're like specifically in learning mode uh but if you're if you're just in like full confidence like winning mode i would say ignore everything people say to you, almost everything
0: yeah i think that one of the only things like it, the thing is like because dota is a teammate sometimes you do need to listen to your teammates calls like and but being able to discern That's true. what calls are good and what calls are bad means that you kind of have to have an idea of what's actually happening in the game more so than just blindly listening to the calls, which could be very difficult. And even even at that point, even if you have a good idea, sometimes you're just going to in the spur of the moment listen to somebody who's yelling something over and over like this needs to happen, and then you'll go do that and it'll be bad. And I think one of the the easiest rule of thumb that I can think of for Figuring out who is good and communicating well is if they're not communicating very much. Like, if somebody is communicating a lot and they're making a lot of calls and telling people to do a lot of stuff and telling them what to pick and telling them what what to itemize,
1: drop your stick, drop your stick, drop your stick.
0: Chances are you should ignore that person. And if you have the carry who's like been silent for 10 minutes and then he's like, hey guys, let's go fight, you should probably listen to that guy and go fight with them. Like, that that's like my rule of thumb is if the people are giving you genuinely like very basic, but kind of like to the point information, that person probably knows what the fuck they're talking about. And that's a good, that's a decent person to kind of like formulate ideas with and play with
1: different from some like fucker who's just mad and wants catharsis by flaming you and telling you what to do. And they're probably incorrect, but if, if somebody is, is just like communicating stuff about their hero, then you know, it's their job to be the expert on their hero in the game. If they say, okay, let's take a fight, yeah. and then uh, you take a fight, and the fight goes poorly, well, then that's that's their fault, and, and you were just listening to somebody who's supposed to be the expert on their hero. I can say—actually, I do want to say this point. Uh, there are different types of people. There are people that are really good at following other people's, like, orders— um, and executing stuff yeah and execute and executing. I can say that I am absolutely dog shit at that. And anytime somebody tells me what to do in a game, I I try and I fuck up. Like it's not it's not that I'm being a dick or I think I'm right. It's that in order to in order to get to the point that I've gotten at dota in dota in terms of like MMR and what I know about the game, I had to. I had to try so many times and fuck up so many times. Like that's the sort of, that's the sort of learner that I am. Is that I I learn something and then I take it in a very extreme way. Uh, you know, somebody says like, okay Jenkins, you should, you know, you should buy clarities. Like you, you you're not buying enough clarities. Every game I'll have seven clarities in my inventory <laughs> at all time, and and I'll be broke because I'm buying too many clarities. Right. And I'll fuck up those games. And that's uh, obviously not good. But then after a certain amount of time, like I'll learn that I need only two clarities at certain timings or three clarities or send it out once the laning stage is over. Like there are these different nuances that you, that you'll, you'll learn to it. I guess, I, I don't know what, what you would, uh, like, I'm, I'm a, a very insecure person. So I have more faith in other people's ideas than I have in mine. Maybe that's it. So when somebody says something, it's like, Oh, they must be in this. Like I must be doing it totally wrong when really it's like, it's a very nuanced thing that they're, that they're saying. But I mean, you could see me right now. I'm fucking overthinking it. Right. Like I overthink things when people say shit to me. And I feel like Eddie is very similar to me in, in that sense, at least from from talking to him. So I would say um, generally, like you should follow your own instincts over other people's just because there's a huge risk of fucking up the current game by following <laughs> what somebody else is saying, depending on, on your learning type. Right. <laughs> and I feel like you're similar to me in the sense that you're uh, you from what you've said here too, you've more faith in other people's ideas than yours, just based on like a, a, a kind of slight lack of confidence. Yeah, uh, I but mean, I can tell you, I can tell you, your ideas are good. I've coached you, I've spoken with you. You put in a lot of replays in, replay reviews in, and we generally have good, very good things to say about your supporting. So I would say, like, yeah, you just need to follow your own instincts and after the game, figure figure your shit out uh, if you want to if you want to like take what somebody said and improve on it.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you go back and you watch like the the true site for OG you'll notice that Thompson and Anna basically say nothing for the entire game and everybody else, Jarex and Seb and No-Tail are talking on a regular basis, but those two. So what that says to me is those two are number one, they play better when they're just in their own head. And number two, they're also very good at listening to their teammates and then using that information to make decisions or like executing what their teammates want to do. But you don't hear them making calls because they just function better in that way. So, you know, if you are better at listening to people, then just get better at recognizing like who you should be listening to and that'll help. But, you know, I I think that like your MMR, you're probably better off formulating your own ideas at least for now anyway as well.
1: I'm definitely not a good listener. I try, man. I try. If I get eternal envy in my game, it's just like it's like go top, go top, do this. What are you doing? Like you know, like, fuck me, man. This is so stressful. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, should we uh, take some from chat real quick since we got a little sure, bit of time? Sure, we'll up?
1: speed around. Let's go. We'll
0: speed around from chat. So, chat, put your questions in. We'll run through them. And uh, get you guys a little bit of love. Thank you for tuning in. We got 195 people watching us right now. It's nuts. It's been a while since we did Alchemy Answers, so we appreciate yep, yep. the support.
1: I'm streaming on Twitch after this, by the way. 195 viewers. I expect to see all of you, all of you there.
0: Here, I'll even put I'll I'll put your Twitch in in the chat. You start you start Hell answering yeah. the questions.
1: Hell yeah! Get those YouTube viewers going. Start answering questions, you fuck. Oh, okay, okay. Why my garbage? Um. That's a very general question. Probably you're making excuses and not actually improving from your pubs, and you need to just eat some humble pie and realize that you're shit because I'm shit and Donny's shit and we're all shit. We all got to learn. That's why you're garbage and you can get better, and it's fine to be garbage, but you have to actually admit that you're garbage. Uh, you shoot me solo queue, Jenkins. Yes, I am. Jenkins, you played great in Open Qualifier. Thank you so much. I do appreciate that. I had a lot of fun playing that. I have 11k hours in Dota. I am good, and I am cancer. Congratulations. How do you find out if it's a game for drums? Is it carry, for example, Jugger, Ursa, drums over other items like Maelstrom or Blink? I would say if you uh, if you want to fight early and push towers, you get drums. Okay, can you talk about Dota addiction and taking over people's lives? How can you play Dota and still be a functioning adult? Pretty fucking hard. It's a problem for me, so I just made Dota my career, and that's why I'm not doing anything else, because I realize I'll just have Dota ruining my life if I... Uh, Don't uh, just play Dota and do that for a little bit. What support heroes would you ban generally as an offlaner if you want to skip waves? Uh, Bane and Shadow Demon, although Shadow Demon at level one will sometimes go for the poison, then you can just go cut. Uh, Is Enchantress in this patch better to go heal or damage? Damage 100%. Who's the best to solo carry with? Whatever you're good at. There's a lot of good. feel like I'm 1k MMR and I get played at 3k level. Do you think that's possible? No, if you're 1k, you're probably shitty. And once again, you need to eat some humble pie. I say this not as somebody who's judging you, but as somebody who has constantly had the opinion that I'm good at Dota. And every time I shatter that opinion, I gain a lot of MMR. And I would uh, say that you should try to do the same because it feels really good to learn. Uh, it feels really good to actually get better. You'd rather get better and hear the truth than hear some lie and just stay shitty. Does E have a chance of being a TI champion? I think so. He just needs to get his shit together. Like, people are not going to trust him being on a team with him. Who's your pick for bot TI winner? Bloodseeker. How to stack camps? Uh, Stack at uh, (laughs) the...
0: Definitely not Bloodseeker. Holy shit. It's going to be like Phoenix or Death Prophet or something like that. Somebody who does AOE damage and can heal themselves. That's why Abaddon was a finalist last time.
1: (laughs) I didn't watch the bot TI. Nope.
0: It's so (laughs) funny. I love it
1: is there a program to choose the best mid lane pick for a certain game no because it doesn't know what you're good at yep i lost like 700 MMR from 6k to 5.3k in one month that's unfortunate you probably are a shittier player than you were a month ago because that always happens you lose some you lose your mind you get worse and then all of a sudden you're actually playing at a worse level oh okay.
0: okay here's a great one this is what we're going to end it on what is your view on the gambit rage quit situation
1: hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hilarious.
0: Oh my god. I, I could go on about this for a long time. But I would I would have to basically say that I would never play with Affendent ever again if I was on that team. And I would encourage other people to never play with him ever again. Fuck that guy.
1: <laughs> I, I didn't see what happened, but I think it's really funny that somebody was salty enough to rage fucking rage quit.
0: He rage quit in a game that basically, like, they they should have won. It was against a team that they were, like, better than. He rage quit after dying when they were only down 6k, when he was a Morphling. And they had another good late-game hero on their team. They had all of their racks up, and they had even some Tier 2s up. And he just called GG and disconnected. And as a result, they ended up... Going on full tilt and not qualifying for a TI when they were definitely the favorite to come out of that region. So, yeah, if I was in CIS, I would never play with Affinan ever again, and that guy should probably not have a career. I don't know. <laughs> it's, I don't
1: know what what is. I think if you're a rage quitter, you're kind of a douchebag. That's all I have to say. Like, you, I'd be kind of mad if somebody rage quit in my one of my games. Like,
0: well, yeah, yeah it I sucks in a pub, but when you have a chance to go to TI, it's it's literally
1: like. No, I mean, if I was in open qualifiers, one of my teammates, Rage Quit, have be like, all right, dude, what's going on, man? Like, you can't do that. You just can't. Like, that's not acceptable. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, it's funny from an outside point of view how salty <laughs> they probably are. It <laughs> is.
0: It is pretty hilarious. <laughs> well, I'm
1: not on that team. You know, real salty and upset.
0: All right. All right. Well, uh, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, 217 viewers. I think this might even be the biggest stream we've ever had on YouTube. So thank you so much. Um, We'll be doing a replay review on Thursday. We'll do another Alchemy Answers next Tuesday. I'm going to be casting some games. um, Actually, so I might not be here for Thursday. We'll see. I'm going to be casting NA um, qualifiers later this week. And uh, if you didn't already, go to this Twitch channel right fucking now and go watch Jenkins lose a bunch of games tonight and laugh at it.
1: I'm not going to (laughs) lose. What are you talking about? All
0: right. We love you guys. We'll see you next time.